It should have been instructive to philosophers that most people are untroubled by philosophical questions. Instead, the philosopher treats his questioning as a privileged path to a deeper special truth. Those unconcerned with such questions, he considers Philistines, incapable of ever knowing what is true. The philosopher, through his questioning, is thereby fit to be a king. With Wittgenstein, the idea of philosophical questioning leading to truth and to higher men is overturned. In his view, the history of philosophy is one of confusions in language, where once the grammar of the question being asked is understood properly, the philosophical question will dissolve. The traditional philosopher, then, is not someone to be admired, but someone to be cured of his confusion. Instead of making arguments, Wittgenstein, in his philosophical investigations, offers a variety of examples of laborers and craftsmen communicating in order to demonstrate the grammar implicit in certain words and expressions. It is a sort of anthropology as metaphor, and is a means of showing how philosophers misuse and misapply those same words and grammatical structures when asking philosophical questions and making arguments from them. How by stripping away the mastery of the laborer and the spontaneity of his work, the philosopher turns the words he uses to nonsense. For those who are philosophically troubled, these anthropological examples are a sort of heuristic ladder to be ascended, from which one can look out over the field of troubled language and grammar, and seeing clearly one's philosophical questions as confused language, the latter can be discarded, and a man now can return to activity in the world. It is philosophy as therapy. But wouldn't becoming a master craftsman be a finer therapy still? Instead of a body, with a rational mind at its center to operate it, Juanza writes of a spontaneity at man's core, and only at his periphery a rationalizing, ordering, and sorting out of life. Man is as a tree for Juanza. His trunk is spontaneity, and his branches the ability to rationalize and order the world. A man is rested from spontaneity at those moments when he is faced with a new situation, requiring some new action. This causes him to pause and reflect. In these moments, the possibility of further rationalizing and the making of distinctions appears. It is the beginning of the philosophical attitude. But it is an error to privilege these moments or to become enamored with them. A man should return to his spontaneity as quickly as he can by sorting out and getting back to activity in the world. When I began in truck driving, my knack for driving was undeveloped. I was inexperienced. I had difficulty driving spontaneously. I was often faced with new situations on the road, new obstacles in performing a turn or backing up the 53-foot trailer. To act spontaneously would only have gotten me into accidents. I had to stop the truck and reflect, to stop to sort things out, to stop to see how I might back the truck around the corner and what dangers I might have. In time, I needed to stop and reflect less and less. The reflection and sorting out might occasionally happen, but they passed quickly. I began to drive with spontaneity and emptiness. I could see the future on the road, what every other driver was preparing to do. I would change lanes for obstacles and dangers that would only appear miles and minutes later. I could feel the future of the road and the intention of every driver on it. I had developed a knack. I had developed a mastery. I had become the mirror the echo, 
the peaceful levelness of water on a windless lake. When once a sleepy driver crossed the median into my lane at 65 miles per hour, my reaction to avoid the head-on collision was not accompanied by any thought, any feeling, any fear or emotion. My heart did not race. There was no place for language. I swerved the truck smoothly onto the narrow shoulder, just along the edge of the asphalt, where it fell off into a wooded swamp. I acted simply and decisively, as water when it is redirected. Spontaneity is the place of silence, where the language of reason and philosophy cannot go. The place of silence is actively still. The master truck driver and craftsman are both empty and full. They feel nothing. As Juwanza says, emptying he is still. In stillness he is moved. And when he moves, he succeeds. Perhaps emotional responses that interrupt one's spontaneity are similar to philosophical troubles of language that interrupt it. Emotional responses that freeze a man are a result of his lack of mastery. Perhaps the philosophical attitude is itself a lack of mastery. Juanza writes, Only one who has seen through things understands moving freely as one and the same. In this way, rather than relying on your own distinctions, you dwell in the ordinary. To be ordinary is to be self-reliant. To be self-reliant is to move freely. And to move freely is to arrive. That's almost it, because to arrive is to be complete. But to be complete without understanding how, that is called Tao. Neither the Taoist sage nor Wittgenstein's slab movers and craftsmen are completely silent. They communicate in language, but are not drawn into confusions of language and philosophical questioning. They do not allow their language to interrogate itself. The place of reason is the place of an ever greater making of distinctions, an ever more finely breaking of the words of the word world apart and making more advanced equations of them. It is the place of argument and dispute, not masterful and meaningful activity in the world. It is the place of establishing dominance over other men, sky, earth, and animals. It is the place of the philosopher king, the corporate titan, the prophet seeker, and slave driver. It is the place of conflict, anxiety, anger, and inflammation, and inevitably a cancer. A man becomes anxious when he allows his spontaneity to be undermined, when he allows himself to be defined and has borders drawn up and becomes distinct from the world. Now restricted by the borders and distinctions put upon him by the state and the corporation, he uses words and ideas that are beyond any mastery he may have. He becomes unhappy and depressed. He is no longer spontaneous and no longer his own master. He lives as a number. Beholden to the whims of a master, he lives within the master's dream. Even when he dreams, he dreams within the master's dream.'"